the darkest hour. Julie, who's the real monster here? There's a light that shines on every human being. But one. From director Sam Raimi. Dark Man. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 62 of Vague Zone. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. And today we're continuing our coverage through the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle franchise. We were doing our weekly detour with Daniel's Choice Dark Man, the 1990 Sam Raimi superhero film. So, Daniel, would you like to read us the IMDb synopsis for Dark Man? Sure. Dark Man, 1990. A brilliant scientist left for dead returns to exact revenge on the people who burned him alive. Yeah badass yeah. <laughs> very badass so this was your choice uh this week uh, why did you choose dark man um dark man it's just it's a movie that i remember watching as a kid my dad was really fond of this movie <laughs> and i don't remember really much of anything about it um and so i was really curious to revisit it because you know it's sam raimi um it started a trilogy of movies it's uh, yeah. an original superhero it didn't start with a comic or anything like that and um and yeah like i said my dad really liked this so i'm i feel like part of me is was interested in it to try and understand who my dad was in 1990 um that but um but yeah i uh watching this it, it just made me real really i just really appreciate sam raimi you know uh because it's like Sometimes I feel like he's a little too much. He needs to dial it back. He gets a little too cartoony for my taste. I don't think that that really happens here. There's like maybe like one split second scene where I was like, okay, that's a little too much Sam Raimi towards the end. Um, okay. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think for the most part, I, yeah, I really enjoy this. I love the sensibilities he's bringing to the table. There are these moments where Darkman, <laughs> Darkman, what's his actual fucking name? Isn't it like Peter or something? Uh, Peyton. There are these Peyton. moments where Peyton <laughs> is like Peyton Westlake. Westlake. There, there are these moments where Peyton is having like a bit of a freak out because part of you know losing his ability to feel is uh, his emotions are ramped up. Yeah. And so uh, Sam Raimi does this thing where we're getting like all these like smash cuts, like the camera like zipping around, like flying towards his face while. The background is uh, showing us like lightning strikes and fire and I don't know. It's just like this really aggressive, very comic booky sensibility, uh, very flashy, and it's just so fun. Um, yeah, I just and he's obviously very inspired by like classic monster movies, you know, Dracula, Frankenstein, Phantom of the Opera, like all these different uh, tragic, tortured characters um and it's really cool to see him playing with sort of the the tropes and style of these characters and bringing it to a superhero setting um what did you think of dark man uh yeah i love this movie um this is it's such a strange little i don't know for sam raimi i feel like it's a really good like middle career movie to analyze and look at it's like okay like we're not he's not quite done with uh evil dead and like that entire trilogy there's there's one more army of darkness comes after this but this i feel like this is 
like 10 years or so after Evil Dead. And this is also like 10 years before Spider-Man. And so I feel like yeah. this is right in the center. And so we get a little bit of both where it is a little gritty and it's it's really has that like low budget feel at some points. But it also, yeah, it's like dealing with really tragic, dark things. You mentioned like those uh, monster kind of characters. I was thinking Frankenstein while watching this, but also... Uh, while reading, there is mentions of uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame, which I thought was really appropriate because I think that sort of ties in a little bit more with the sort of the romance with him and uh, Francis McDormand's character. But yeah, there's just this really great mixture of like this uh, modern kind of superhero movie aesthetic and just like effects and like really good looking CG and like his like burns look really good and like all of that stuff is like really nicely done. Um, there's a, a nice. Uh, chase scene like on the uh, rooftops of los angeles towards the end i think it still looks pretty good there's some uh, green screen that hasn't aged that well but yeah there's yeah. just a lot of fun stuff in this you said it was kind of toned down but i think there's actually a, a, a lot of silly things in this movie there's a, a henchman hopping around on one leg um, yeah. <laughs> during a few shootouts uh there's one moment where where his lab explodes and we just get dark and just flying, flying, just flying towards yeah, the camera and i was like holy shit yeah this movie is just a lot of fun and when it does those moments but it also yeah it it does uh tread those dark moments really uh, no pun intended really nicely when yeah we're uh, it's great because we have liam neeson who's this really like tra- i want to say trans uh we have Liam Neeson, who is like a powerhouse of an actor. He's really great, you know, just done a lot heavier roles, a lot more like serious drama. So it's really fun to see him do like uh, a younger Liam Neeson do something that's kind of uh, silly, but also dark and like heavy. He's please like mixing both at the same time. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that scene of the the explosion. I mean, I guess it's a pretty fucking important scene. It's like the creation of Darkman. Yeah. But like... um. I actually, actually, Emily was like looking at her phone during that scene or something. And I was like, oh, that was a great shot. And she was like, <laughs> what, what, what are you talking about? And so I was like, I got to rewind and show you. And then you see that shot that you're talking about of Darkman like flying out of this like burning building as it's exploding. And I was like, not that shot. The next one. <laughs> and then we see we see like a uh, maybe like a one second shot of like a stuntman on fire doing like a flip through the air before he like lands into the water. Oh, and it's wow. just like it's kind of like eerily beautiful. Like it looks so I don't know, surreal and like that's one of the special things about this movie is we're actually seeing stunts. Like we're not seeing like CG shit. Like we're actually putting yeah. stuntmen in these kind of uh incredible situations. Um this movie climaxes with a you know, dark man hanging from a a, a rope that uh, that's being uh, swung around by a helicopter and it's like this extended helicopter sequence and i don't know i think that's like one of the things that i do remember from from when i saw it as a kid is like a man hanging from a helicopter while a building explodes beneath him yeah uh, okay i need to kind of jump ahead a little bit so it might kind of get into the spoiler territory sooner rather than later because that last sequence i think is really interesting because i was watching this i watched this before a few years ago when i bought it just randomly it's like oh yeah sam raimi i've heard about this movie let's let's smoke and watch it this is great 
while watching it this time, I was like, hold on a second. Like, there's this really interesting climax of this movie where we have our uh, our villain is this dude. Uh, his uh, what's this guy's name? Uh, Strack. This guy. He's like this land developer, and he's just like building the city of the future. And so he's just like uh, kind of strong arming people into just like you know giving him property over or whatever. He's doing villainous shit to just gain more property. That's kind of what his plot is. But at the end, when Darkman is sort of like got is like fought his way up to this guy and it's like we have this like fight sequence that takes place in um basically like it's the girders it's like uh like the guts of a building i don't make sure yeah, i'm describing it correctly just like the main beams and structure yeah yeah it's like uh, beams and structures in the building which is the same thing that the climax happens in that's how our that's the same place where our climax in spider-man 3 takes hmm. place is in a <laughs> a giant like kind of uh construction uh, area like with beams and poles and shit when they uh, the fight with spider-man uh venom and sandman takes place in that also um that happens in the dark night <laughs> when, yeah when this whole thing with the joker kind of dangling and everything i was like i don't know what's it with superhero movies and like construction zones and like i don't know maybe is that just like the cheapest way to do it like a, a <laughs> I mean, like a superhero climax. You it know could I mean? also it could also be like an opportunity, be an opportunity for some interesting choreography. It's like how a lot of um, kung fu movies have like a scaffolding scene where like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there yeah, was but, even one in Shang Chi. Like, no, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But as I was watching this, I was like, yeah, it's kind of interesting that like Sam Raimi does this in Dark Man, but then yeah, in Spider Man Three, he's like, yeah, let's just <laughs> do the construction site. We we know it works. We know it can be a spectacular fight. Well, it's also funny that like. So there's a scene of him dangling from a helicopter, but then in this uh, construction site scene, they're like throwing these um, almost like pendulums around, these like hooks, yeah, like on yeah. the ends of wires around, and then Darkman starts swinging on one of them, and it's like, I wonder if this is why he got <laughs> Spider-Man. It's like he just yeah. has all these scenes of like a man swinging from a rope. Yeah, I don't know. This this movie is, is really interesting in that regard because yeah, it's like Sam Raimi wanted to make a superhero movie. And uh, Wikipedia says that, yeah, he tried to do it with uh, Batman, but failed, and another movie, but failed. And so he sort of just wrote this one hmm. and just made an original story, which I think is, is really cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's, 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 a it's like, I'll look. just make my own. Yeah, make my own, and then, yeah, make this really kind of gruesome, grotesque, dark movie <laughs> in the result of it. And it's interesting. I didn't know until we started watching, until I started watching it, that... Danny Elfman did the music for this also. Yeah. So it's like yeah. he did Batman, then he did Dick Tracy. I don't know if he did Dick Tracy first and then Dark Man. I don't know what the order is. Um, but I think he's way more at home here than in Dick Tracy. Uh, that's yeah. my opinion. Uh, yeah, there's a really nice needle drop kind of sweeping orchestral moment when Dark Man sort of finds his main lair and he sort of like gets into this abandoned space and it's just like, yeah, it's really gorgeous or- orchestral swell as he sort of. Yeah. discovers this place and like, yeah like this is sort of reminds me of like frankenstein or like just something yeah it, it feels very grand and operatic and very tragic to what happens to this guy and uh, yeah so like what do you think about this like his origin story like the beginning like we get it starts off with this uh pretty uh interesting little thing with our guy uh durant sort of uh shaking this guy down and uh, cutting his finger off what do you think about that yeah scene? that is also something i remembered <laughs> as a kid it's like i remember a cigar chopper and i was like why do i like this feels very familiar and then he starts chopping the fingers and i'm like oh yeah. okay this is why this is kind of burned into my memory um but as far as like 
Darkman's origin story goes. Um, so, yeah, thinking about, like, the relationship between this, Batman, and Dick Tracy, like, obviously you have the Danny Elfman thing, but that just got me thinking about, like, comparing and contrasting the characters. And so I think, like, when we were talking about Dick Tracy, I mentioned that, like, one of the reasons... I, th- I think the character's kind of weak because he's just... Like, he doesn't have any real emotional relationship to the villains. Yeah. Uh, he's just kind of like, he's a cop who's doing his job. And uh, with Batman, it's like, he doesn't, we we do find out he does have some sort of relationship with the Joker. But um, there's at least like a psychological component for why he's doing what he's doing. It's because his parents were killed. And so now he has this like weird uh, fixation on crime and becoming a crime fighter. Crime dark, bats. Yeah. And then with Darkman, we do get, uh, not only do we get like a psychological component of like, you know, he can't control his emotions, <laughs> uh, but uh, we also have him like he's actually personally tied to the villains because it's a it's mostly it's pretty much a revenge story. It's not like yeah, yeah. like, do we think he would be out fighting crime if he didn't have a relationship with these people? Probably not. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. So I, I definitely think there's way more going on with this character. And I think it was smart of them to maybe just frame it as a revenge story. I haven't seen the the next two, though. Have you seen the next two? No, I haven't. Okay. They're like direct to DVD, so I think it'd be kind of tricky to track them down. At least I haven't tried to. I'm, with the age I mean, of torrenting, anything is possible. But yeah, I mean, I watched this one on Peacock, so I don't know if like the other ones are also on Peacock. Huh. Interesting. This is one of my like I, I love telling my friends these kind of stories where like I love buying movies anywhere I can buy movies, and so there's like the big stores are obviously like oh like Target or Walmart or there's Rasputin's out here in Concord where there's just tons and tons of movies. There's even half price books, which is great. But sometimes Seven Eleven will sell Blu-rays for like literally five dollars or less, and this was one of my five dollars or less Seven Eleven purchases in the middle of the night, and I was like, oh yeah, Dark Man, like I'll totally buy that for five dollars and bring it home and put it on the yeah. shelf seems worth it yeah um i need to ask what do you think about the fx in this movie because when they basically when we have dark man's origin story it's like i don't know it's it really gets me just like how like violent it is <laughs> like yeah how they're like, is shove... like hands burn off and shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah like they're trying to shove him into this like vat of acid essentially <laughs> he like grabs these poles and this arms burn up first we get this like close-up shot of like the skin kind of just like burning down and then they just shove his entire head in there and it's just like really brutal yeah i I, yeah the hands burning up is like the most extreme part i don't think we do we really get too much of his face burning up or is it pretty much just the hand no it kind of just flails around under the water yeah, and then he we explodes <laughs> yeah yeah uh there's I th- did you, the the gag with the birdie thing i don't know what you call those bird like the yeah like the the like drinking bird thing i don't know yeah um, yeah really I, 90 so 90 shit <laughs> yeah and i didn't really get what was happening initially because i was like do those things do they dip further down i guess they do if they gotta like go and drink the water eventually if like yeah. that's the joke um, yeah, but I like, really forgot curious. how those things worked, so I was like, I don't really know what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's funny that the movie builds two gat like two bits around it, like the beginning yeah. of his entire lab exploding, and then as revenge on the goons later when he does it to somebody else, and it's like, man, like this is a really important little prop birdie yeah. dipping thing. And it does kind of feel like something you would expect to see out of like a Tim Burton Batman movie, yeah, um, like the Penguin doing something like that. Um, yeah, yeah definitely 
But uh, yeah, I do like going back to special effects. Like I think the makeup, like after we, after he actually gets his face burned off and we get the makeup of him with like his exposed teeth and stuff. I think that Mm -hmm. looks great. Yeah. I think it's like a great character design all around with like the bandages and the hat and the coat. Yeah. It's, it's a good time because then, yeah. And then once the movie sort of like gets going and establishes what his like, I, I I want to use, say the word gag, but it's not gag. It's like his gimmick, his his like superhero thing that he does to go to like trick bad guys or whatever is this whole like facial reconstruction thing. And so early on in the movie, he like remake like there. It starts off with him in the very beginning, like he makes a nose, like him and his lab associate Yakatito. Love that last name, mm. uh, <laughs> Yakatito. They're uh, working on like trying to recreate the nose, but the nose it, it's not stable after yeah. however long minutes. And then they figure out, oh, it needs to be in the dark. And once it's in the dark, it's okay. Uh, and then once after all this terrible stuff happens with them destroying his life and fucking blowing up his lab, he like makes these masks and uses these masks to go out and impersonate. Like the first one is with this guy, uh, a character by the name of uh, oh, what's this dude's name? I don't know. Polly. Polly. Yeah, yeah. Polly. The first one is this first sequence with Polly, where he like kind of he gets a mask of Polly, uh, knocks him out with like chloroform, and then like sneaks in and like infiltrates like a deal, like a money exchange yeah. or something, and then like pretends to like send him off, like and then like buys like some plane ticket, like gets some plane yeah. tickets or whatever, and like makes it look like he's about to skip town, so they like, yeah. like kill Polly, and it's like this really like whole like fun thing of like it's yeah, pretty like, clever, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like wow, he put a lot of thought into this. Yeah, and it, it gives us this really fun, like, ticking clock of, like, okay, well, we know, like, if he's out in the daytime, the mask's gonna start, like, bubbling and fall apart or yeah, whatever. Yeah, 99 minutes. Yeah. yeah, so he has, like, a very small window of time to sort of, like, do this deceitful thing. And it's just this great, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot, like, a really nice little, like, sci-fi kind of adventure to do during the daytime. Yeah, it's a great device that, like, it we're, we're adding stakes to every situation that he's getting in, like, with this, t- this timer. Yeah. Um, and the second one's fantastic. Like I love the one where he impersonates Durant, Durant. and yeah. like, goes it's to the fantastic. deal. It's so good. Yeah, <laughs> doing the uh, fucking revolving door <laughs> moment. Like yeah, yeah, fucking movie magic, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Also, just like the the subtlety because we know that Durant is a cigar smoker because he's been cutting people's fingers off, and mm-hmm. he does like the reverse intimidation thing where he like cuts the cigar all the way down so you have like, until you have... <laughs> <So> <laughs> to finish smart. the cigar it's like dude this guy's kind of smooth like this guy's yeah. like dark man's kind of a badass and so yeah it. yeah it's, it's it's really good it's really effective uh, um, what do you think about uh francis mcdormand in this movie we haven't talked about her at all oh i think she's i think she's good in this movie i think it's kind of weird now with like the understanding of who francis mcdormand is like because she's been in so many like important movies um yeah, it's a little strange, like seeing her and Liam Neeson as romantic partners, but um, but yeah, I I, th- I think she's fine. I I did miss a moment where Emily caught this, and I totally missed it. That she says she doesn't know if she could be with him if he was burned or scarred. <laughs> Is that something that she said in this movie? Um, I feel like I might have missed that. Yeah, um... that Emily was like, yeah, she she told him like. I don't know how I would feel if you were covered, like if your skin was burned off or some shit like that. Damn. <laughs> it's like, wow, it's I feel like that's pretty important, uh, <laughs> you know, conflict in this relationship that I totally missed. Yeah, it's fucked up. But um, one thing I, oh yeah, but one thing I did want to mention is 
So, so yeah, they established that these masks only last 99 minutes. Uh, but And that light is the factor that ruins them. So why... why he calls himself Dark Man, but why isn't he doing any business at, at night? <laughs> like, he's doing all of this stuff during the day. It's um, a really good question. Uh, yeah. So you would think, like, you, like, as soon as they establish that, like, oh, it's the light that's a problem, like, oh, he's going to be, like, sneaking around at night and, like, making sure he's doing all this stuff at night so that these masks don't melt. But so now he sleeps at night. Oh, I need to rest. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why is he going on a carnival date in the middle of the day when we know that, yeah, yeah like his, his face is only going, is going to melt off in a really sickly way. You'd think they um, would have had a moment where it's like he has a romantic evening with Francis McDormand and he's like, oh, no, I have a meeting in the morning. I gotta yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Sorry, I don't know. I, I, th- <laughs> I think uh, Sam Raimi just understands that uh, the movie is far more uh, entertaining if <laughs> if it's all too. <laughs> yeah, every absolutely. Scene takes, it's a movie called Dark Man, and every scene takes place during the daytime. But you had an opportunity to have him spend the <laughs> night together, and he's like, uh, the sun's coming up. I gotta leave. Yeah, that'd been great. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's like the, the kind of freak out moments that we get, I think, are also uh, pretty interesting because, yeah, there's like the first one where he's like in the lab working, and he has like, this is a really like, sad somber moment when he's like looking at his hands and he's like they took my hands like they like they took my hands away and yeah. i was like that's really good like liam neeson the actor is really selling just like the tragedy of just like loot like just losing pieces of your body and like they do the like the body horror thing really well in this but then later on like he's working on something and he's like staring at the cat and then he starts having like this he just kind of has like a breakdown and starts like dancing and like doing like He's like, oh, you think like I'm a clown or something like that? Like, he kind of does like this whole like mental breakdown yeah, thing, and it's just like, on his head. yeah, and it's like, <laughs> oh shit, this is like, it, it gets like it makes me feel just very nervous <laughs> like watching that. I'm just like, man, like they mention like yeah, like the uh, mental aspect to it. Like yeah, he's going to be kind of be uh, he's uh, like more sensitive or whatever. But yeah, yeah, early on when they're like poking him in the first scene when he's like strapped to the thing inside the doctor's office he's like he doesn't feel any pain he's gonna you know his, his sense his sensory is gonna be like all off and so and I, I don't know the, like the visual stuff that they do with that is a little funky i think um i feel like if they remade this or if they rebooted it i have a feeling i have a feeling guillermo del toro really loves this movie i'd be curious to yeah. know like if he were to do one what that would look like yeah, because it feels like right up his alley. It's like this sort of tragic monster figure who's actually a really good guy. I mean, I guess he kind of did that with Hellboy, but yeah, yeah, Hellboy is a little bit, uh, a little more sleek, <laughs> a little bit more like he's. Yeah, this feels a little more classic Hollywood with like its style. I don't know. Yeah, true. It, yeah, it it definitely does fall into that vein, and yeah, Danny Elfman's score, and yeah, the fact that it is like. Even though it's like a younger Liam Neeson, like he feels like a little bit on the older side. Like it's not like, oh, dealing with like the high school problems of like a Peter Parker or something like that. Where it's like this feels like it's like a older kind of man dealing with issues, and so I think yeah. that kind of goes with that like whole classic Hollywood thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of curious to watch the sequels now, but I probably won't. <laughs> um, uh, never say never you know <laughs> i i think it's awesome that the third one's just called die dark man die <laughs> yeah yeah straight to the it's point. a great name um isn't the second one like the return of durant <laughs> yeah which is like, oh our favorite character <laughs> like returning 
It's like, Mom, I need like, to see the, the return stakes. of Durant. Yeah. <laughs> Durant comes back. He's back? How? <laughs> um, Goodness. There were a couple of things I noticed. I-, I noticed that this movie, it feels like, how do I put this? Mission Impossible ripped this movie off <laughs> twice. There you go. So, yeah. so there's a moment in this movie where uh, the villain... Uh, Darkman puts a mask over one of the villains. He puts a mask over like one of the thugs or whatever. Yes, and so like this yeah. guy wanders out of the dark. It looks like Liam Neeson and then they take the mask off and it's actually like the thug with like tape over his mouth. That happens in a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. Um, and then also a helicopter flying into a tunnel, I think also happens in a Mission Impossible movie. This and in Darkman, the helicopter doesn't make it in. It just crashes into the tunnel. But um... yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I was like, Mission Impossible, but yeah, but also like yeah, Spider Man later with yeah, the brand Dark himself Knight, and then the Dark. And I was like, damn, this like, is one this of the is... most <laughs> influential <laughs> movies yeah. of all time. Totally fine with it. Absolutely fine with it. Um, yeah, I just wish the CG, uh, the green screen on the whole like, oh, this is like my city of the future, like whole thing looked a little bit better. Um, even though I have this on Blu-ray, but I watched it on DVD. I don't know if the Blu-ray version it, was it, a little bit it looks clean. bad i mean just like okay. watching like the peacock stream so i the part of the problem there is that like durant is standing in front of this green screen and then uh the other character what's his name strock or something strack 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 is a little closer to the camera than durant they have the focus on strack durant is slightly out of focus and then the background that's green screened in is completely in focus so it's like this weird thing where it's like okay this just looks there's a blurry man standing out in front of a perfectly focused background like yeah gosh it looks very off Um, yeah yeah and it's just it's really funny because there's this whole build-up about like yeah it's like this guy's doing all this shady stuff all these evil machinations of this movie that he like is in this gold kind of like office you're like yeah this is my city of like this big grand reveal and it's like oh this and it was like (laughs) i don't know like i'm not that into this guy being like the big bad like at the end when he's standing on the you know, just like the met- the steel beams, he's saying like, "I built this, I built yeah, all yeah. of it," and it's like, okay, <laughs> like that doesn't seem to be <laughs> like I'm not that emotionally invested in this guy being the uh, antagonist. Uh, it feels like Durant was way more interesting. Yeah, I feel like if they would have just had Durant be both, he could have gone the more of like the kingpin direction and have him be like, okay, well, he's like a gangster, but he's also just like really big and physically imposing and. Or just, sorry, yeah, yeah, show us more scenes of, like, Strack bossing Durant around and feeling yeah, yeah. more sinister, uh, pulling the strings behind the scenes. Because, like, it doesn't feel like we've worked our way up to the big boss, even though he is the boss. It, like, like it kind of feels like, why is Durant taking orders from this punk, you know? Yeah, it's like, this guy's cutting, <laughs> he's literally cutting fingers off with a cigar yeah. chopper. It's like, this guy's fucking, like, a psychopath. Like, just get rid of this. The other guy's just a suit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on Darkman? Um, I think that's it. All right. Oh, uh, shout out to Bruce, a nice Bruce Campbell cameo oh, yeah. at the end. Possibly the best Bruce Campbell cameo? Yeah. Nice yeah, I was waiting for it the whole time. I was like, I know he's going to be in this. And then, yeah, final shot. Looking great. Leads you to believe yeah. that he'll be the lead in the next one. Unfortunately, that did not happen. Yeah, I think in a perfect world, in an alternate universe, there's like, 
the dark man like he kind of like he's burnt up Liam Neeson but when his mask is always perfect or whatever as Bruce Campbell it's like, eh, it's well it's that. a good like it's a cool idea for a character because you can recast over and over yeah. and over with every sequel you just have a different actor and it's like oh he's just that's dark man yeah yeah it's good stuff good choice um what have you been watching this week so this week I watched uh, the first two seasons of The Shivering Truth on Adult Swim. Have you seen this? Ah, cool. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm a big fan of PFR. Like, when Wonder Shows was on MTV2 back in the day, I was like, this is th- my favorite show. Like, this, yeah. this show <laughs> fucking rules. Um, and then Xavier Renegade Angel came out, and I I, I didn't know it was PFR. Um I just saw like this bizarre animation and I was like, that looks like shit. Like it looks like some random adult swim shit. Cause they constantly pump out, you know, <laughs> stuff that goes nowhere. It lasts a season. Then it goes nowhere. So like, I didn't, I didn't terrible. Yeah. I didn't watch it until like, I got a friend recommending it. And he was like, no, no, I think you'd dig it. Like, check it out. And then I realized it was PFR and Xavier Renegade Angel is great. Um, the heart she holler. I watched that and I was like, I think Vernon Chapman and you know the rest of these the PFR folks are like I think it's fucking it's fucking brilliant like it deserves to yeah. be like they deserve to be regarded alongside like the Marx Brothers and like the history of comedy um it, yeah, it feels like it yeah. is like this next step you know um and yeah watching the shivering truth written by Vernon Chapman like there is this weird like the wordplay it's so interesting there's like this stream of consciousness quality to everything there's this weird sort of um it almost feels like a word association exercise where he introduces a concept and it's like what's another concept that that makes you think of okay how do i transition to it okay now how do i transition to a new thing it's like just stacking ideas on each other in really interesting ways and it come it comes off like feeling like sketch surrealism instead of sketch comedy um there's a great moment in one of the episodes where it's talking about. So, so yeah, I haven't even explained what this fucking show is. So it's tough. <laughs> yeah. So the shivering truth, every episode is 11 minutes and it's basically just, uh, it's this stop motion animation thing. Yeah. It kind of looks like, uh, Anomalisa or something or something like that. But, um, it's just these little stories about people getting caught in these surreal, uh life and death what is the nature of reality uh dark comedy stories <laughs> i don't know it's fucking yeah they're weird. like they're like parables kind of where it's like they feel like some like if it has like a somewhat religious feel to like when, when you're like watching it so like kind of like where it feels like oh like these characters are learning like a divine yeah, lesson this, kind of it's some sort of lesson yeah that's uh, that's how i felt while watching every time it would show up because like I have cable when I'm at home in Martinez. So basically it was like, it would be on and I'll be like, Oh, like when I first saw it, like I was angry. I was just like, this isn't funny. This is just like, just yeah, another the first dump. episode I yeah. had to turn off. Cause it like was kind of triggering. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just like, it, it feels very like, ra- like rambling because like, yeah, it's just like, it's one narrator for every single episode. So it's, like, it's like one person narrating. Yeah, every it's Vernon Chapman. <laughs> yeah. Vernon Chapman. He's in his delivery is. Yeah. It, it it seems like yeah it kind of like almost improvisational a little bit where he's like yeah word association kind of going from one thing to the next and 
telling these stories sometimes they're hopeless <laughs> hopeless stories sometimes there's there's hope there's you know there's a lot of like romance there's like i don't know there's uh, these characters are always like yearning for something and like trying to achieve something in a way where it's like they like or, i don't know it, it's really difficult to describe because it's such a mind fuck but yeah um there's I, I, sorry go ahead go ahead i was gonna say the one that i i like is uh it's like with the love machines like okay. <laughs> like i like that one a lot where uh i don't even know how to describe it because it starts it's it's one where it feels like it's circular where it starts with one story it goes to something else then it goes back yeah it kind of comes back to it and ties everything together which doesn't usually happen sometimes they sort of just end or like kind of just well it's, yeah it's like usually like we'll have a story and then we'll focus on like a side character in that story and something happens to them, which brings us into a new story and with new characters. And then maybe we, you know, explore one of those characters then. Yeah. Uh, there's a moment that I, that I feel like kind of illustrates what is going on in the show where it's talking about how this boy wanted a dog, like his, his, his friend got a three legged dog and he wanted a dog, but his family could only afford a leg. And so a dog leg comes out of the house and it's wearing a dog collar. And then it says like, and the leg would hump itself. And so the dog is, the dog leg is humping itself. And then it gave uh, birth to a litter of toes. And then it gives, you know, that happens. And uh, it was involved in a tragic accident where it was hit by a tire. And so it's one car tire runs it over. And then it had to be replaced with, uh wooden body so it's now it's the whole thing is just one wooden leg running around with a dog collar on (laughs) and that one leg gets uh mistaken for a stick at the dog park and so a dog just like chomps down on on it and runs away with it um (laughs) and so yeah it's just like i don't know like the idea of like a tire hitting a leg (laughs) yeah like that was brilliant (laughs) to me (laughs) like just like like the idea of it yeah every idea in there was like okay this is this is great. Like the the leg is humping itself because that's what dogs do. Gives birth to toes, sure, because it's yeah. a leg. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's yeah. uh so there's this role in improv comedy. Like there's yes and obviously, but there's also if then, which is like if this is true, then what else is true? So yeah, like if yeah. it is true that a dog leg could be a pet, then what happens if that dog leg what do, what are the puppies of that dog leg? Yeah. Uh, and so it's just like building and building and i don't know yeah it's brilliant so, it's a fucking yeah. brilliant show <laughs> so when you when you first brought this up i was like i'm i was waiting for when you were going to mention that it was stop motion because that's like such yeah. a crucial aspect to like what makes this show like such a special mind fuck up a thing because like yeah it's like oh if it's just a weird show with intertween uh, interweaving stories mm-hmm. and kind of it's psychedelic or whatever it's like oh yeah but when when it's this uh stop motion uh, thing it's like so different because yeah it gets a little like grotesque at sometimes where it's just the thing that like they're allowed to sort of like bend the reality a lot more yeah with how they like they uh, express things and display things and so yeah it's it's, it's like a one-of-a-kind kind of experience while watching it and apparently just... it takes like six it takes six months to shoot a season of this um and then it's like a month of recording all of the dialogue and then like another two months of post-production wow um, yeah it's only like yeah well six episodes yeah six seasons. episodes and they're 11 minutes <laughs> each episode yeah. so it's like an hour of show it took nine months overall to complete um, not including like well however long it took them to write it 
<laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, like that and like the Heart She Holler. Did you ever watch the Heart She Holler? No, never watched that. That's but it's on HBO Max right now. Yeah, yeah, that's really good too. And it's also you know PFR, uh, same brilliant writing. Um, that apparently, like it, it is an acquired taste. <laughs> like because I show yes. this to Emily and she's like. Like, we finished one of the episodes because I was, like, midway through it, and she came home, and I was like, all right, I'm just going to finish this episode. And I was like, do you want to watch Do you want to watch a full one of these? And she's like, no. <laughs> like, didn't even <laughs> contemplate it. She was just like, no. <laughs> That's so great. Like, I used to watch The Heart She Holler, and she would just, like, get exhausted. Uh, yeah. Uh, fucking The Shivering Truth, it, it feels like that, too. And, yeah, I always say, I, I go back to what I mentioned about it feeling like somewhat religious in this the way that it's designed that i felt that way about uh xavier renegade angel where yeah it's like it's a do it's like the basis of the show is about philosophy yeah. like that's like, <laughs> like it's it's trying like it's to a, figure out what doth life <laughs> yeah yeah so it's just like asking a lot of questions and so th- that happens here too where it's just a lot of like scenarios and ideas that sort of make you think about just the state of life and i don't know it's 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 a beautiful show, but yeah, it's also like a, a very grotesque and dark experience to sort of <laughs> sit through. And it's like clearly the person making it has like their own ideology that like is under, you know, underlining everything that they're writing here. Like the like the yeah. like all of their stuff shits all over the place. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like there's a great moment in this show where like uh, a cop has a flashback. Like his life is flashing before his eyes because he's gonna die. And, like, he has a flashback to the day he was born. And, like, the mom is, like, giving birth. And the doctor's like, oh, no. And she's like, what? And she's like, it's a filthy pig. And he pulls, like, the baby out. And it's got a police hat on. And then uh, and then they all get hit by a car. <laughs> oh, my fucking God. Yeah. And they had to pull yeah, that good. episode, like, in 2020, like, during, you know, the riots and stuff. So Oh, shit. Wow. Yeah, they pulled it from air. But. Or from HBO Max, but it's it's back now, so you can uh, you can enjoy the show and it's a complete experience. That's great. So yeah, that was my that was my big watch this this cool. week. How about you? Cool. Um, this week was like so it was Thanksgiving this past week. Recorded sixty one right before Thanksgiving, and I feel like a lot of things have been released since then, like over this like long weekend. And so I was like coming like listing off the things, and I was like, I can't talk about all of these things because there's just too much good stuff out right now. But uh, I just want to do a few honorable mentions before I talk about the stuff I want to talk about. Uh, Get Back, the Beatles documentary directed by uh, Peter Jackson. I started watching that and it's pretty interesting. I never was, I never, never was a Beatles fan before this, never listened to their music at all, but found it really fascinating to sort of just do the fly on the wall documentary Mm -hmm. kind of thing and just sit in the room and just see them, work through songs and work through ideas and it's a lot of fun like i said i'm a a big big fan of music documentaries i can just watch those all the fucking time and so it's really cool to sort of see see them at like this really crucial moment in their careers where they're like about to record like the last and like one of the most like popular albums of their fuck of all time one of the let it be so they're like in the process of making those songs but yeah it's like they're kind of just like inside of this one room that has like this really trippy kind of like shifting color like matte background where it's just like like cool blues and purples kind of and just like yeah they're just fucking jamming and playing music and so it's a really cool experience so i recommend that it's on disney plus 
also on Disney Plus. Uh, it's Hawkeye. I've been watching the mm. first episode three is out, so it's kind of fun. Little, uh, you know, nice little Marvel TV show. There, these MCU shows are kind of like you know little comic book check-ins with these characters, and so you know, I I don't have a lot of hope. I don't have you know they're not super hyped up t- to me, but I still enjoy kind of just watching them. Like I feel like the other ones had more of a juicier hook uh like wandavision is like this trippy kind of tv referencing sitcom show yeah like uh i don't know even like uh falcon and the winter soldier is kind of like yeah it's more like a bigger kind of spy type of show but this one is is a christmas action show that's kind (laughs) of like the the hook of it (laughs) yeah but i don't know like I I dig the holidays. I'm not you know super Grinchy you know Scroogey kind of guy. Like I I don't hate all Christmas media just because it's Christmas. If it's you know if it's good, I'm into it. And so it's kind of fun to have like you know a nice snowy kind of setting for this like you know you know they're shooting arrows. It's it's a, it's a fun time. It's it's uh, nothing super groundbreaking. I I wouldn't say, but you know it's it's a a good you know a good little you know show just kind of check in with but um this week what i wanted to mention the most was uh how to with john wilson came back oh yeah i watched the first episode of that yeah yeah uh wanted to know what you thought about it because yeah i thought it was a really interesting return he buys a house right is that yeah Yeah, it's like this whole thing with like landlords and like like his landlord is like moving and so it's like selling him this place and so it starts off with like this uh, reflection on just like this living space and kind of just there's a little bit of like commentary on just like the plight of the landlord which I thought was yeah. interesting where he kind of like follows that around follows the landlord a bit and I was like I don't know if that's uh, <laughs> super compelling or not but then it kind of goes into like him talking about the space and then he like follows the this ventriloquist around for a little oh, bit yeah and, I forgot yeah, about the, the ventriloquist ventrilo- <laughs> yeah the, the ventriloquist is doing like this great thing where he's like making like a really solid point about talking about like, yeah, breaking down social barriers and kind of embodying somebody yeah. else and being in somebody else's <laughs> shoes. And then this just slippery slopes to, he just picks up a black puppet yeah. that looks like buckwheat. And he's there, it's like, Oh, Smokey, what do you do for a living? He's like, Oh, you're a pimp. And he's just like, oh. it's like, what is this like through line between like ventriloquists, like and just racist puppets? Like this like Jeff Dunham thing. He's been doing this uh, whole shtick with like, this like Ahmed the terrorist and this like jalapeno fucking thing for like decades now. <laughs> like I don't I, I just don't know. I, what is the connection between I was ventriloquists and shitty jokes? I was on a cruise ship when I was like fifteen, sixteen, something like that. Like my grandparents wanted to take the family on a cruise, and um, Fun. Fun we stuff. went to. There was like a comedy show on the cruise ship, so I go with my sister and my parents. And it sucks. Like it's like these two comedians, <laughs> and they're really bad. And my sister's like, she's like, how much you want to bet they're gonna bring out a ventriloquist dummy? <laughs> like that's how bad the show was. She was like, how much you want to bet they're gonna bring one out? And of course, Goodness. they eventually brought one out. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it's cr- it's tough. <laughs> yeah, just bottom of the barrel. I don't yeah. know. There could be good stuff there, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> to, to lean lean towards the easy jokes, punching down, low-hanging fruit kind of shit. Um, but yeah, I just thought that episode was, was really fascinating, and I'm happy that that show is back. Uh, that kind of combined with Joe Para, I think they served yeah. as like a good kind of like 
winter kind of pairing of television where it's a little bit more like contemplative and reflective and you know you're sort of just like uh, it's a little more slower paced it feels how like. to gets into some like like i can recommend joe Perry to everyone like i'll recommend to yeah. my parents to emily's parents uh how to i've showed my parents some episodes of that but i had to be like you probably shouldn't watch the episode about covering furniture because <laughs> it's all about yeah, circumcision yeah. Uh, yeah 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 it gets in a little bit of racier territory um, a little bit yeah he, he sort of does the thing where like, this let the city take me where it takes me and so like new york city sort of takes him down some dark alleys sometimes um so yeah actually i do have to mention uh so on the last episode you were talking about curb your enthusiasm and he said that there was this kkk episode it's a clans yes. episode. um so when i went to visit my parents for thanksgiving um they were like, oh, have you seen the new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm? There's this character <laughs> that's great. Oh, we got to show you this character. That's great. They showed me four episodes of the show. Uh, yeah, the new yeah. season. And, uh, and they sh- we watched the the Klansman episode. And yeah, oh. I, it's, <laughs> uh, I, I, I stand by like what I had said before where it's, where it's like, I think they could have made this work if they gave Larry more of a motivation more of a reason to want to help this guy because it, yeah. it feels like he has no reason to. Like, it's basically yeah, no. like, oh, I put a stain on your robe, so I'm going to fix the robe. But it's like, I think, I think it would work. Like, so, okay, so they established that Larry needs a farm to impress Woody Harrelson. Yes. So why don't, <laughs> why don't you establish that the Klansman has a farm as soon as he gets the stain on his robe? Because then Larry has a purely selfish reason to want to do a favor for this guy, which is that he the 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 Klansman will then in turn do a favor for him. Um, yes. Yeah. But instead, it's just like he's just helping him out. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's. Like, uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I was like, man, like I've been on the side of like, okay, gotta defend Larry doing something <laughs> deplorable, but like I was like, this this time just I don't feel it there. I was like, this just the setup just felt so flimsy to me, and I was like, I don't know. This really interesting that you guys watched it. Uh, yeah. What character did they want to show to you? Was it the the, the actress uh, the, who <laughs> yeah, is the like actress being character. cast on his show? I forget what that character's name is. Um, yeah, uh, what did you think about her? Because I think they're also I think she's fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was the funniest part of the show to me. Um, yeah, it's just a different energy, like a type of type of person to sort yeah. of be in the same sort of space as Larry it's David. Totally, yeah, it's a totally <laughs> different energy. Um, but yeah, I think another problem with that Klansman episode is that it just like wasn't that funny of an episode. Like, yeah, uh, and I don't like I would I don't think it's just because I was being a harsh judge because I disagreed with like you know the narrative choice, like how they were going about uh playing with that sketchy territory i think it's just it just the jokes weren't that good <laughs> yeah it's like the setup was sort of flimsy and then the resulting jokes aren't yeah. that great um yeah i thought the episode that followed it was pretty good uh, i was trying to i don't think i watched that one uh, i think we i think we only watched like the first four or something like that gotcha we watched the albert brooks episode which was really good yeah yeah that one's <laughs> it's a lot of fun yeah him, him hoarding <laughs> yeah hand sanitizer <laughs> Yeah, him hoarding hand sanitizer is great. Um, yeah, the one that follows is another one that where it sort of gets a little dicey. But I, don't know, I think they use uh, Vince Vaughn uh, really well in the episode that mm-hmm. follows. And I think he's a great sort of 
uh, actor to sort of pair with Larry David in this like world of like some like sometimes they're actors, sometimes they're not, sometimes they're they're playing themselves explicitly. Since he's kind of like playing like a a a, a re like a similar version of himself, hmm. but yeah, I don't know. I, I like I like Vince Vaughn, so I think Vince Vaughn with Larry David's great. Vince Vaughn is someone I remember hearing someone say, you know, living in Hollywood, you never hear a good Vince Vaughn story. <laughs> um which so I, I think he might be kind of a dick <laughs> which i feel That's like great. i could imagine that um yeah not but i do super hard to imagine <laughs> but in terms of like his career like I, yeah i like vince vaughn too you know uh swingers i remember seeing swingers as a teenager have you seen swingers with no, the, the john favreau movie dude that is not. like that's like the ultimate like dude breakup movie like a, if you get out of a breakup you watch swingers gives you some gotcha gives you some uh perspective uh, <laughs> yeah really good um i randomly watched most of a movie called couples retreat which is uh vince vaughn uh john favreau and uh, jason uh, mantzoukas <laughs> no 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 um jason bateman jason uh, bateman. Kind, of, ah. kind of like <laughs> like a like a later career kind of older guy comedy type of thing okay. i was like yeah. oh yeah yeah, yeah, not as probably not as good as swing. Kind of like a dad movie, maybe. Sort of, <laughs> definitely, definitely dad movie. Dad but, comedy, uh, definitely firmly in dad dad comedy category. But um, you mentioned Jason Manzukis. He's in uh, Big Mouth, which I just uh, the the new season came out with like so much. Yes, like I said, a lot of things have come out. Like new season of Big Mouth is out. Uh, F is for Family just finished, um, which is a show I also really enjoy. But yeah, Jason Manzukis has a crazy character in big mouth i don't know i if mean he watched. usually plays crazy characters <laughs> usually but yeah that's not really saying much but yeah it's a i don't know if you've ever watched big mouth but big mouth uh-huh. is the animated show about like puberty and so it's like a yeah. bunch of kids like discovering their bodies and sex and all this stuff and so his character on that show is it, like is pretty pretty fucking out there it's just mostly humping pillows and <laughs> he's a bisexual guy <laughs> he's just yeah just just most of his uh, character interactions are, are involved with uh pillow cases and stuff like that i'm <laughs> just like this is just fucking twist sounds fun <laughs> a lot of hum- a lot of pillow yeah, maybe for the holidays you know we'll gather the family around the tv and throw in some big mouth yeah i remember i was at like a little party type of thing and someone put it on in a group setting and it was so polarizing literally half the room was like i this is really strange i don't feel comfortable watching like cartoon children talk about sex and like and do all these things and the other half of the room was like, this is fucking hilarious like this is this is great it's just like such an interesting like package of a show uh so i was at a party once this is a story about me putting something on at a party um <laughs> i was at a party and it was like a very it was like a small gathering of people not that many people um and i was talking to someone about like oh there's this video on youtube where like this person claims that back to the future predicted 9-11 and like it's <laughs> it's not that serious but it's like they basically like took this prompt of like can i prove that back to the future predict 9-11 and they like ran with it and like they it's a pretty entertaining video um like they do a pretty good job of like making their argument and um and so like i put it on to like show this person and then someone at the party is like oh i actually like lost someone at 9-11 oh damn and uh 
and apparently we watched the whole video and like i don't Damn. i don't remember <laughs> i do not remember someone saying that but like emily the other day was like yeah you put that video on and someone was like oh yeah i lost my like uncle or something like that in 9 11 and Oof, uh heavy. <laughs> and i was like wow apparently i blocked that out of my m- memory because i yeah i don't remember that detail but, uh, but now i'm cursed with that that knowledge so brutal now i pass that knowledge on to you well damn <laughs> and then we watched uh reanimator and that was really uncomfortable too because i forgot that there's a have you seen reanimator yes yeah i forgot about the uh severed head oral sex scene in that movie yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah no, i wasn't was not winning that day <laughs> oh man yeah it's tough like putting stuff on for like groups yeah and then yeah, you're like oh really yeah weird. i forgot forgot 16 candles probably not a good call <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes you just fucking just forget about that one scene um yeah and then yeah lastly i think yeah i mentioned ethos for family but it was a a show i didn't think i'd be really into and supporting and being like a vocal supporter of uh there's a lot of shows on netflix were sort of popping up around that time and i don't know i'm a i'm a fan of bill burr um it's it's great it's a uh, it does some different things. Sometimes the seasons are a little bit more like spread out. I think like season three or like one of the seasons, it takes place over like a very short period of time, like a couple of days. And so um, I think it, it kind of changes over the course of its existence as, as a show, but it still has a lot of heart. Uh, Michael K. Williams has a, a good oh. role in it and they sort of do a nice little tribute to him in this last little season. So yeah, enjoyed watching that. Um, yeah, just been been watching too much stuff. Like I watched, you tweeted about Leviathan a couple of days ago, yeah. so I watched that earlier today. The documentary? No, the Russian different Leviathan. Drama. Different <laughs> Leviathan. I yeah. guess I have another Leviathan yeah, to watch. There's this fucking phenomenal documentary called Leviathan where it's about uh, a fishing boat, and they just attach GoPro cameras all over the damn place, and like yeah. There's no dialogue. Uh, it's literally just like they assemble the footage, they cut it together, and you're watching these like, interesting sequences play out. Oh, cool, um, cool. And like I, I saw that in a, I think in a theater in Berkeley, and like the sound design in that movie is also incredible. Um, yeah. Awesome. I need to check that out. Uh, have you heard about the 2014 <laughs> one that I mentioned? Uh, I've heard of it <laughs> because I frequently see it because uh, it's called Leviathan <laughs> yeah yeah fuck man I was so pissed okay so this whole thing about this movie they're like oh yeah like the director he got inspired by this story of Marvin Heemeyer's uh, 2004 rampage with the killdozer yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah the killdozer guy and I was like oh shit this is gonna be like a foreign film about that so I was watching this like contemplative interesting really <laughs> yeah but it's a really slow yeah slow slow paced uh character study about this like just a family kind of like falling apart sort of kind of like this it's just like a lot of they like compare this character to like the story of Job in the bible which was like completely different i was like i was expecting this guy to go on a rampage yeah like, Where, where's the <laughs> there's tank? like a, <laughs> there's a, a point in the movie towards the end a lot of terrible things have happened to this guy and his, and his family and they're like, there's a wide shot of the house, but then there's a bulldozer outside. And I was like, oh shit, there's the fucking bulldozer. They were finally gonna get to, get to the rampage, but no, it never happened. It was just a 
just a sad Russian film about a family and a man. And so I'm looking forward to watching the other <laughs> Leviathan movie. Um, but yeah, I was really bummed out that there was no bulldozer or anything yeah. in that movie. Bait and switch. Yeah, it's like, how are you going to tell me it's inspired by, by something, <laughs> something, something so outrageous like that? And then, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, such is the life of, of movie watchers. Sometimes you you don't get a bulldozer rampage movie. Yeah. You just get a really good drama. Yeah. Sorry to hear that, man. <laughs> All right. I think that's it for 63. Um, are we going to do Turtle 3? Turtle 3, might as well. See it See it through. Finish it off. Okay. Doing We're going back in time. Cool. All right gonna wrap out this franchise with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 I don't know what the, if it has a subtitle but it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 next time okay, okay this has been episode 60 sorry I think I've been saying the wrong number um, 62 I think yeah Sorry. Yeah, this has been episode 62 of Vague Zone. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us, vaguezonepod at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or franchise suggestions, you can tweet at us at Vague Zone on Twitter. Let us know what you've been watching. Um, uh, that's about it. I'm Thomas. And I am Daniel. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. Oh.